Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, March 28th. In today's news, Kim Jong-un pays a surprise visit to Beijing. Donald Trump now wants the Pentagon to pay for the border wall. And the VA secretary finds himself in presidential purgatory. But first, the big idea, which today comes from Palo Alto, California. How Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook is like Gutenberg's printing press. When historian Neil Ferguson moved from Harvard to Stanford two years ago, he was struck by Silicon Valley's indifference to history. The hubris he saw reminded him of what he encountered on Wall Street as he researched a book on the history of banking during the years before the financial crisis he became convinced that the technology sector was careening toward its own crisis. That crisis has now arrived. Conveniently timed to coincide with the release of Ferguson's new book on the history of networks, from the Freemasons to Facebook. The Square and the Tower is a cautionary tale that challenges the conventional wisdom that growing interconnectedness is an obvious good for civilization. Facebook was already embattled for allowing Russians to use the platform to sow domestic discord during the 2016 campaign. They were literally buying political ads with rubles. Now, founder and chief executive Mark Zuckerberg is under fire for his firm's failure to safeguard data in the wake of damning revelations from a whistleblower about Cambridge Analytica. The voter profiling firm harvested the personal information of as many as 50 million users, and earned $6 million bucks from President Trump's campaign for doing so. The Federal Trade Commission is investigating whether Facebook broke the law or violated a 2011 settlement agreement. A bipartisan chorus in Congress is demanding that Zuckerberg testify under oath. His lawyers are negotiating the details of an appearance now. Recognizing the political risk, Facebook executives have even begun saying publicly that they're receptive to being more heavily regulated. Ferguson, thinks you have to go back a long way to find anything that resembles what we're living through right now. All the history we've learned about the 20th century is kind of useless in this instance because for most of the last century, communications technology systems were very amenable to central control, from the telegraph to the telephone. Ferguson thinks you have to go back to the time of the printing press because nobody controlled it centrally, and the networks that grew up around it were akin to the World Wide Web. As he put it during a conversation at Stanford's Hoover Institution, where he's a senior fellow. The printing press had something of a similar effect on Europe as the internet and personal computer have on us. And the people who were the architects of that technology were optimistic about what would happen if everybody could much more easily communicate their ideas. They didn't anticipate that. For example, the idea that witches live amongst us and should be burnt would go as viral as anything that Martin Luther said 501 years ago. Uh, Indeed, it turned out that witch burning was, in fact, more likely to happen in places where the printing press had uh, been established in larger numbers. At the beginning of the Reformation 500 years ago, Luther, a founding father of Protestantism, thought naively that if everybody could read the Bible in their native tongue, German in his case, they could have a direct relationship with God, and there would be what he called a priesthood of all believers. He thought it would be awesome and democratizing. We've heard the same things about the internet. But it's not obviously a good idea, (laughs) any more than it was in the 16th century, because what did the Europeans have? 
They didn't have the priesthood of all believers. They had 130 years of, of escalating religious conflict, culminating in this 30 years' war, relatively one of the most destructive conflicts ever. So I'm, I'm much more worried than a non-historian by what I see, because history tells me that the polarization process keeps going and doesn't just stop at verbal violence, because at a certain point, that's not satisfying. Ferguson thinks the government must move aggressively to avert more meddling in 2018 like we saw in 2016, and that Facebook should be at least partially held liable for some of the content on its platform. And I think if we don't act, the next phase of the crisis will be even uglier than the current Cambridge Analytica phase, which is the tip of the iceberg, by the way. Think of how many people other than that one Cambridge researcher and that one shell company have downloaded the data. The window was open for years to do that. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, China has confirmed that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un paid an unofficial visit this week to Chinese President Xi Jinping in Beijing. Speculation of a visit started on Monday when a mysterious train chugged into central Beijing. This is Kim's first trip abroad since he took control of his country in 2011. In related news, White House officials said overnight that they've reached an agreement in principle with Seoul to overhaul the South Korea-U.S. trade deal known as Chorus. South Korea has agreed to limit its steel exports to the United States and take steps to open up its auto market to American companies. In return, Trump has agreed to exempt South Korea from his new 25% tariff on imported steel. Number two, Trump is privately pushing for the U.S. military to foot the bill on the construction of a border wall. The pressure comes after Trump got a big increase in the defense budget, but peanuts for a wall is part of the omnibus spending bill that passed last week to keep the federal government open. Angry about days of negative coverage on Fox News, Trump has suggested over the past few days to Defense Secretary Jim Mattis and congressional leaders that the Pentagon should use its money to pay for a wall. The president says the open border is a national security risk. But officials in both parties on Capitol Hill and people at the Pentagon say there's no chance this idea will become reality. The Defense Department has plenty of money, but redirecting it for a wall would require a vote in Congress, and the president doesn't have the votes. Number three, Trump has been telling advisors for weeks now that he wants to oust Veterans Affairs Secretary David Shulkin. The president is displeased with Shulkin following a travel scandal and reports of a mutiny inside the agency. But firing the holdover from Barack Obama's administration has proven complicated for a variety of reasons. Namely, the administration is struggling to find a replacement to lead the country's second largest agency. The uncertainty has left Shulkin in presidential purgatory. What's befallen him is a favored tactic of Trump's. The president starts the ousting process by humiliating those who fall from grace, first through media leaks, then through publicly disparaging comments. We saw him do this to Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster. The mixed signals that result from this tactic often leave even senior White House officials guessing who will be fired and when. That makes it impossible for someone like Shulkin to be effective at his job, since no one at the VA really cares what he says or thinks. They know he'll be gone soon. To say the least, it's an unusual way to lead a country. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, March 28th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. 
I'll talk to you tomorrow.